Welcome to the clan. This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. This podcast exists because we want you to win, and the formula is different today than it was 10 years ago. You can't just do a demo and get in a record deal on your talent. You're going to have to bring a lot more to the table. You have to bring verifiable evidence that you have an audience. You have to be engaged with that audience. You're going to have to have some cash flow. You're going to have sold some records, gotten some massive amounts of attention on Spotify and the streaming places, sold some merch. This is what's going to attract the people to you. It's much more than just your talent. And that's why we created this podcast, C-L-I-M-B. It's an acronym. It stands for Creating Leverage in the Music Business. You're welcome. The genius that came up with that is Mr. Word Man, Mr. I Do Words Good, Mr. Brent uh-huh. Baxter, my good friend and co-host. Uh, Brent is also an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady Antebellum, Joe Nichols, and more. And what I love about Brent is he helps songwriters like you turn pro by revealing how you write like a pro, do business like a pro, and then he'll actually connect you with the pros and you get an at-bat. So reach out to Brent. He can help you in a lot of different ways. You can find him at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinell. Johnny owns the Daredevil Production. They help you find your sound and they help you grow your audience so that you can become the artist that everybody loves. And so you can get paid, which ain't too bad. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at daredevilproduction.com. That's production, singular with no S, and there is no S because there is no other Johnny D. How you doing, brother? I'm doing all right, man. I'm excited to get into this one. Uh, we have a guest today. I've heard a lot about him. You've told me a lot about him, pointed me to video clips and stuff. And so I'm just, I'm pumped. It's, this is so completely out of my wheelhouse, uh, but it's perfect, I think, for a lot of the climbers out there. And I'm excited to kind of be a fly on the wall and just to learn some stuff. Yeah, dude, I, I got goosebumps on this one. Listen, before we get into it, real before we real, reveal the guest here, uh, real quick, if you haven't joined the Climb community on Facebook, just go to Facebook, search for the Climb community, ask to be let in. We will let you in, be good boys and girls, or we'll roadhouse you out. Subscribe to the podcast. This way you don't have to worry about trying to find it or being reminded of it. It's always right there in your phone. And finally, of course, if, if you're finding this information valuable, share it. Uh, make sure that your friends, your other colleagues, your, your musicians know because we can help them too. So <clears throat> with that, we have a guest today that is uh, somebody that I've heard about for quite some time. I, I, felt, I feel like I've been one degree of separation from him for a number of years. And uh, it, our guest is Tom Jackson. Tom Jackson is, for lack of a better title, a, a live music producer to the stars and to all of us indie artist people. And um, here's the interesting thing. So Tom has worked with some really, really big names, some of the biggest names you can possibly imagine. I'm going to let him tell those stories. But what's a live music producer? I can tell you this, that every single artist doesn't think that they need one. They think they're amazing on stage or that they're doing what they're doing, but they're not doing what they're doing. If you've ever seen a band or or even an acoustic performance at a coffee house where the, the artist does the pregnant pause and everybody starts to clap, 
but they're not done with the song. And then there's that awkward moment where they come back in and they're singing over the clapping or that the, the, the sort of bookend on the song that was that poignant moment is just ruined from the clapping. That's because the artists didn't know what they were doing. They weren't controlling the audience. They weren't communicating with them. And it's about creating moments. And when you create the moments, that creates the cash flow. You sell more merch. And w- when I first heard about Tom, Obviously, his reputation precedes him. The, the, the artists that, he's, that he has worked with are incredible. I created a meeting with him and, and his associate, Amy Walter, and we sat down in my offices and just kind of talked about different ways that we could help each other. And I, I put him in touch with a couple of my artists, one of which he ended up working with, and we're going to talk about that in the podcast. But um, here's what's fascinating. I saw Tom on a one-hour Facebook Live video from the previous, not this past year, but the year before the the CD Baby DIY conference that Kevin Bruner puts on. And Brent, he was, it was amazing to watch him do his thing with this band. Mm -hmm. Like I really wasn't sure even what that, I didn't even know what that meant. And I've been, I toured for seven years of my life, but I wasn't sure what the heck he did. And, (laughs) And I saw that and I was like, holy crap, this is amazing. And then this past DIY conference, I, I had a small role and I wasn't a speaker, but I had a small role as a mentor in the DIY conference in Nashville this past August. Tom was a featured guest speaker there. And I got the pleasure and the joy of watching him do his thing with, and here's the key. It was with um, the new artist that Rick Barker has, mm-hmm. who is Trent Harmon, former last, I think last winner of the American Idol. Uh, when it was on Fox. Mm-hmm. So you've got Trent Harmon. This guy's a monster vocalist. He's a killer musician. He's a TV star now. He's been out there doing it for a couple years. And to watch what Tom did with their, their new song that's going to hit the radio. And, and it's, 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 it's crazy because Tom was like, uh, yeah, when he was talking about working with my artist, He's like, I'm going to need like a day per song. And I'm like, a day per song? Like, what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> Whatever. Right? It's like three like, minutes long. Yeah, yeah I, can't, I can't comprehend it. And then I saw what he did, like bar by bar, verse, you know, intro, then the first half of the verses, and with the band directing traffic, doing all this stuff, and then they have to remember it. And the transformation that happened in like a two-hour talk was mind-blowing. So with that, without further ado, I want to introduce Tom Jackson. Tom, how are you? Uh, better than I deserve. Good. <laughs> well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to be on the podcast. Um, I kind of want to dig into, uh, do you think that was a fair choice of words in the way that I set up what you do? I, I, I certainly don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, I just wanted to speak from my experience about how enlightening it was, how much better the show, that, 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 how much better Trent Harmon got yeah. from working with you for two hours. It was insane. We've had this talk. It's almost, I just, I've been doing this so many years and I don't know how to explain what I do. And, and people just say, well, you got to see it. You got to see it. You got to see it. That's not a good marketing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a pig in the poke, right? It is. Yeah. But I can't do anything about it. I, there's so many people that think they know what I do and then they go, oh my gosh, I had no idea. Or then there's other people that say they do what I do. And I've, I've watched half a dozen of them and they don't. And mm-hmm. so, so I'm stuck. But I mean, listen, this is not a woe is me. I've got plenty of work. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, and by the way, so Tom's the guy that, that not only does his business just bring in regular uh, clientele, but Tom's the guy that gets the phone call at 12 o'clock midnight from a big, huge major, major label act going, listen, you've got to fly to you know, Eastern Mongolia right now because we need help with this artist. Uh, we're not selling the merch that we want to sell. We're not doing the things we need to do. And Tom, you've got a million stories like that where you just had to hop on a plane last minute. They send you a boatload of money and you go out and, and fix it, right? I try to fix it. <laughs> there you go. Well, yeah, the, the artists have to play along in the sandbox. So it's, it's, It really comes down to back to, and I can get through two songs in a day, Johnny, usually. But I like, it, I like a song a day because then you can dot every I and cross every T. But, yeah. but the biggest, one of the biggest issues with any artist, but major artists, is they'll spend 125 grand, 150 grand on a record, and then it's, and spend six months in the studio recording on and off, and, and then they'll want their show put together in two or three days to be the next Bruce Springsteen. And, and, and it's impossible. It's impossible. Yeah. Only because here's one of the things in the music industry. Well, Brent, you're a writer. Mm-hmm. If, you don't like, if you don't like a line that you're writing, what do you do? You rewrite it. Right. You finally rewrite You might rewrite it for months mm-hmm. until you finally put it out to the public and it's the way you want it. And, but you've worked it, reworked it, worked it, reworked it. Same thing with the, uh, in the studio. You go in the studio, you don't like your vocal line, what do you do? You do it again till you get it. Uh, and, and it's completely controllable. And here's the amazing thing. All you've got to do is get it right once in the studio. Mm-hmm. Live, yeah. no. You have to develop the habits of of doing it consistently. The difference between many pros and many amateurs is consistency. Yes. And and, and the knowledge base is there. So let's talk a little bit about um, that first meeting that we had, Tom. You and Amy came into my offices. We sat down. You graciously brought me this amazing book that that really dives into the way that you approach things and, and why the live show and creating the moments is important. I think one of the big takeaways that I had at the DIY conference was don't be a slave to the song. Yeah. Right. Like in the studio, the turnaround is, is uh, four bars. So you've got to be back on the verse in yep. four bars, but live do whatever you want to do. Like follow the singer, like work that crowd. There, there's this moment, there's, there's moments where the band, if the band is situated correctly to begin with, they can put pressure on the audience and increase the energy level just by moving, right? The way that you turn from a mic or don't turn from a mic is a communication. And this is, if you're an artist and if you are interested in being a good artist or a great artist and you slave to your point, Tom, in the studio, you slave away when you're writing the songs and perfecting those lines. Why are you doing that? So that you can reach and connect and really make an impact on as many people as you can. And they're going to react when they hear or they, or they, uh, when they hear what you're doing. Well, it's the same thing. It's even more important on the live show because that's the delivery mechanism. It you is. can make the best mm-hmm. ice cream in the world, but if the freaking cooler doesn't work in the truck that you're transporting the ice cream in, nobody's going to care because it's going to be crappy sauce by the time they get it. Right. Yeah. So I kind of look at it like, you know, it's a, you know, selling cars. Like if your product, your music is a car and that's kind of blasphemous to say that, but you know, the car lot, you know, your show is the car lot and you'd spend all this time putting this magnificent piece of machinery together, this high end sports car. That's awesome. And you, you deliver it and you set it on the lot and then you let them sit there and you don't ever wash them. 
And so they're muddy and they're dusty. Still a great piece, but you're not presenting them well. All that work you put in, then you present it and there's mud all over the car. Right. It's not going to come through. So well, what's what over the hood is still good, but people can't see through that other no, stuff. No, no, no. Well. They, 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 no they, they don't know. Audiences are ignorant. They don't, right. understand, they don't, they don't understand musical things. They're not mm-hmm. saying, oh, I like this Mixolydian scale on the turnaround, the third and fifth harmonies. None of that stuff. Right. So the question is, what? I look at myself as a marriage counselor sometimes, and, uh, and I realize this is, uh, the the husband we'll call the husband and I know there's ladies listening to this is the, you the artist and the mm-hmm. audience is the wife and you may be up there rocking your brains out loving it your adrenaline's pumping it's your songs it's your music the lights are on you you're in love but if the audience doesn't get it mm-hmm. you're in trouble I may love my wife but if I don't communicate it I can have all the feelings that I want. And there's so many things that people do wrong. It's called misdirection mm-hmm. uh, to cancel or in the studio phase cancellation. You cancel out things so you're not as effective at communicating what you're trying to communicate to your audience. You may think you are. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's half the issues in the world. Might even be more than that. Oh, I think that's, that, a, that, that's a great way of looking at it. It's kind of, if you're familiar with the love languages concept, it's... Uh, you know, like my wife is gifts and like quality time. So if I, my natural language is like words of affirmation, probably why I have a podcast, but I like to be, I receive love with words of affirmation. You tell me, you give me an attaboy, ah, oh, it fills me up, whatever. You give me positive words, I love it. That's how I receive love. So I tend to speak in the language I receive in. So I'll tend to compliment her or I might do acts of service into the dishwasher, that kind of stuff. But that's not how she receives love. Yeah. So I'm showing love, but she's not receiving it because she's like, you're not speaking my language. And so you're saying it's kind of the same way musically. You may be speaking in your, your love language, your art language, but that doesn't mean the audience is going to receive it. It's not going to translate into no, that, their language. That, dude, that's a hundred percent it. And you may be so frustrated with your career slash marriage because you are pouring everything into it the way you think you should be pouring into it. Mm-hmm. But because they're not getting it, or only a small percentage of the people who speak in that language get it, then your, your audience is real small. So what you need to do is understand what nonverbal and verbal and musical signals you're sending to your audience intentionally, leaving room for spontaneity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've never, I mean, it sounds arrogant, but I've never seen it not work. I've never, never, never not seen somebody's merch go up, Um, more bookings, more all the above, if they do the work. Here's the thing. It's not arrogant. It's what you're saying, because what you're talking about is a craft. And it's not arrogant for a plumber to say, every time I do the plumbing correctly, I've never seen it not work. It works. Put this in, if you use the tape, if you put it, you know, or or construction, like once you learn how to frame a door correctly, it's always going to work because that's the way that you do it. So that's, this is what's so exciting about what you do, Tom, and I, I've witnessed it with, uh, with live with what you do with Trent Harmon, but I've witnessed it with one of my own clients, with Jacob Cade, who is a bona fide, now a 19-year-old rock guitar god. And this kid, I hooked him up with Tom. They, they fly Tom up to Colorado, where he's from. They do some work, kid goes out on tour, and um, just because of scheduling reasons, I wasn't able to fly out on tour to see him on the East Coast that I wanted to. They did 
And this is a small tour. It's like a, a 21 day run. They come back and he's got a big show in, a, in his hometown in Denver opening up for Winger. And this kid's like, you know, he's like a guitar shredder kind of guy. Michael Wagner produced his record. So uh, to, uh, to the points that we made early in the podcast, we slaved away right, some songs. We got him with a killer producer. If you don't know Michael Wagner, he produced Ozzy. He produced Alice Cooper. He produced Queen, Skid Row. He mixed Master of Puppets for Metallica. He mixed the first Motley Crue record. He mixed some. If you're into that kind of music, he's done the iconic records. You've heard his work. He produced that. We've got co-writes from Lizzie Hale. Uh, we've got co-writes from Rachel Boland from Skid Row, from Tom, um, Paul Taylor from Winger on there. And we got this great product and now it's time to sell it. Now it's time to bring it out on the road. Well, from the work that you did, I flew up to Denver. This was last Friday. And if anybody listening to this podcast wants to see this, just go to either the climb community or daredevil uh, production on Facebook. I posted uh, Facebook live and you can see the show on there. He was brilliant and he was not the direct support act he was in the middle so there was the opening direct support act then he went then there was another direct then there was the direct support act and then winger came on tom it was night and day these bands that played both the ones that opened up for him and and the one that came after him bless their hearts um Mm -hmm. they're tight they were good musicians yeah they 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 were tight but they did like after like jacob's stuck out like a sore thumb. He looked like a national act playing in a sandbox with two frumpy local bands. I'm sorry, but that's, that's the way it looked. And that's largely in part to two things. Number one, your input and the work that you did. And number two, Jacob working his ass off to, to implement and apply the knowledge that he learned from you and going out there and, and doing it. So that's it. That's what it takes. It's what it takes. And just a little heads up on on your, I started doing this lately for people I work with who can't always fly me out or something comes up or I'm I'm expensive. So Jacob, I don't know if he told you this, but we spent three hours on, on the phone talking through a couple of the newer songs because I couldn't get to him. But because he had the experience when I'd say, you know, you need to put pressure on the audience here. You need to do this, this, he got it. And he, but you're, you're right. So we did some of, um, kind of like follow-up counseling, uh, before that. the tour too, but it was, it was so good. Yeah. But he did the work. He learned and he did the work and there's where the rubber meets the road. Listen, this is like I said, back to the plumber thing. I'd never heard it that way, but I appreciate that. This stuff works. I just was working with an indie group out in Utah and they told me before we worked, they were selling up hundred. They're they're out there a lot too. They're selling hundred to hundred fifty dollars a night in merch, and now every night it's over a thousand dollars. Same songs, exact same thing, except we have to change the arrangement. We have to put the show together. We have to work on verbal skills. We have to all the kind of stuff that goes into doing a great show. Yeah, uh, the the blonde that I worked with from for about six years when I first worked with Taylor Swift. Her merchandise went up 600% in five days. We spent five days. <laughs> and, and some people think, no, that's a bunch of crap. I, I don't know what else to say. That's what, exactly what it is. No, I can, I can, I, 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 I've never looked at the Taylor numbers. So I, you yeah. know, I, but I've seen what you've done with Jacob and I've seen that 
I can see exactly, and I saw what you do with Trent Harmon at the DIY conference. I can see exactly why that's a reality. So here's the thing, Tom. You said, yeah, you're expensive, but it's worth it. Like you, it's like like a Les Paul guitar. It's expensive, but it's worth it. Like it'll it'll, it'll bring you into more money. It's like, it is not like, it's exactly paid coaching. Because if you want to emote as an artist, if you want to connect with an audience as an artist, you can do so with your music and maybe you've got that down. And think about this as the artists that are listening to this podcast right now. When you first started messing around, singing, writing songs and recording stuff, you knew how to press record, but you didn't know how to make a record. And now you understand the difference between arrangement and recording and the difference between just pressing record and singing into a microphone and then actually making a record. That's a craft. Just like singing is a craft, playing is a craft, but then making a record. It's another craft. And guess what? When you take that show on the road and you're live, it's a craft. And if you want to connect, then you need to know what it is you're doing. And I promise you that there's things that you know that you know. There's the known knowns. You know what you know and you know the stuff that works. And then you've got some known unknowns where you know that you're not doing some stuff and you need to work on that. But you know what the big part of what Tom's going to bring to this, which blows my mind, I've just seen it so many times now, is the unknown unknowns. Like you don't know what you don't know. And when you learn it from him, <laughs> it changes everything. Like it's just so exciting to watch. You be, all of a sudden, you become this professional artist with the audience in the palm of your hand. And like... Tom, just a couple brief things. Like I remember watching that video that when I first got to peek into what you do, um, it was, that was the, the Chicago, artist was, that was the Chicago DIY conference. Right. Yeah. And the artist was sort of walking back and forth while they were singing, sort of meandering around on the stage. And I remember one of the things that hit me over the head, like a, like a, like a lead block was you're like, you're taking away from your power when you, you spent this time crafting this one line to blow my mind and it blows my mind on the record. But when I go out and see you, it's like, you don't even care about what you're saying. Can you expand on that a little bit? Well, yeah. What, what, what you're talking about is wandering around the States takes away your authority. That's Um, what you said, yeah. But but people have no idea what they're doing on stage, so they make it up as they go. Uh, They're winging it. And and, and I think you got to deal with, instead of being the doctor and saying, do this, do this, do this, I think the reason, just like uh, preventative medicine, why do we not want uh, to, to, why, why don't we think we need this? And I'll tell you, here's my opinion. In the music industry for all these years, 50, 60, 70 years, everything that was put out was, first of all, controllable, like I said, and accountable. In other words, if a record company signed you, they had producers in there. They were showing up at the studio to make sure it was a quality product that was put out. And for all those years, they did not make money from the live show. It was on the product sales side. Right. So there's so there was no accountability. We got into this habit of oh yeah yeah just go out and do your tour now. You used to used to make a record. You used to go out on tour to sell your record. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now you go out and play live. Um, I mean you use your record for promotion, so people will show up at your event. The problem is 
if they show up at your event and you're just average, no one's going to talk about you. Seth Godin talks about being remarkable. Mm-hmm. The people we remark about in life are the amazing people and the, 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 the goober, the ones, the top 2%, 3%, the bottom 2 or 3%. Like, did you believe that? That was so bad. It was, it was so bad it was good. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But if you're just average and, and you're, not, you're not moving people emotionally, then no one's going to talk about you. And word of mouth still is king today, particularly online. You know, when someone goes, oh, my gosh, you got to go see this artist or you check this. I mean, how many times have you on Facebook said, uh, what's the best restaurant in, where would I go? I'm going to Wisconsin, uh, wherever, Green Bay. What's the best restaurant? And you'll get 20 answers. And it's amazing how many times they are, you know, 60% of them have at least one of those restaurants in there that everyone talks about because it's extraordinary. Yes. So you need to be good enough that people will talk about you. And it, and really, if I can back up a little bit, it, to me, it's like building a house. You need, if you build a house, you need one. This is the first thing we don't do because we have to be artists and spontaneous. But what we need to do is have, a, if you're building a house, you need an architect. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. You need to you need to have a, at least a plan. You need to know how much you're going to spend. You need to know how much, you know, you're not going to build a million-dollar house if you don't have that kind of money. You're not going to build a $100,000 house if you're a gazillionaire. But you need to understand that how many rooms you're going to have, what materials you're going to use. You have to get the design in your head so that you get a vision for what that house is going to look like. And you need the same thing with your show. You need to get a vision. You need to see people laughing or clapping or uh, just get a vision for how you're going to affect people. Here would be another example. For example, just putting your set list together. I mean, so many people do it backwards. Um, And there's a psychologist like going into a restaurant. You go into a restaurant. What's the first thing you expect? Expect someone to greet you. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if they're not there, you look for a sign that says, please seat yourself or not. Right. Okay. So, and then let's say you get seated. You have expectations. Think about it, just like your audience does. Unconsciously, we have expectations. You sit down, you expect someone to say what? Would you like something to drink? And then you expect a certain amount of time before somebody comes and takes your order. You expect a certain size uh, portion, blah, 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 on and on and on. And at the end of the, the meal, if it's if they're nailing everything, oh, my gosh, the service was great. The people were great. The food was great. Oh, my gosh, that dessert was amazing. And you said you're going to go talk about it. But here's what we do. And how many times are you going back to uh, the opening act um, thing, for example, guys? How many times have you been at a show? Well, let's say it's a winger show or something like that, uh, that it's not massive, but it's, you know, it's, it's a decent size. You're opening for somebody that's important and, or somebody's opening and the guy comes out and goes, boy, we got a treat for you. And I'm thinking, no, no more treats. And I know it's, a, <laughs> I know it's that local act that's opening and, and he might have something on them or they're paying him, but blah, 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 blah. And the act comes out, and the very first song, he goes, come on, everybody, stand up and put your hands together. And I'm sitting there thinking, no. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's, like, that's like on social media, check out my song. Like, who, yeah. who, I don't who know are you? you? Yeah. yeah, exactly. You haven't won the riot with me. Now, do I want to stand up and rock and clap my hands? Yes. Just like I want dessert. When I walk into the restaurant, somebody just walk up and go, hi, how's it going? What would you like for dessert? You go, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is backwards, but there's a psychology. There's a, and and you have to get a vision and understand what the audience wants and when they want it. That's the vision part. But then there's the, the foundational part, what I call building a house and, and talking to some people here. I know this, I'm part psychologist. I've helped people overcome stage fright and not just develop stage, uh, overcome stage fright, develop confidence, it's a big building block, and on top of that, you develop authority, and on top of that building block, you develop charisma, and that's a process for you Canadians listening. Process, um, <laughs> uh, and then you get into the technical things that you were talking about, Johnny. Uh, there are things to do on stage. Look, uh, the obvious thing that I ask every workshop, I said. So let me say this: if you're going to do this for a living, you're going to be playing at least. 45 minutes to two hours a night. You, you yeah. just have to eventually. I yeah. said, so in those two hours, do all your songs sound the same? And everyone's incredulous, like, no way. You know, I got acoustic guitar here. I'm using my Les Paul here, getting the Strat here. You know, I'm doing a, 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 you know, there's all kinds of different tones and colors and everything that go into a two-hour show. So I say, so do your songs sound the same? They go, no. I said, then why do they all look the same? Hmm. And I can hear a pin drop them. Uh-huh. <laughs> because, because they do. I, I, I use example of if you were a lighting guy, let's say we're at the DIY conference again, and Brett Harmon came up to one of us and said, guys, I need someone to run the lights tonight. I don't have any lighting guy. I'd be going, whoa, whoa, I don't know your material. He goes, don't worry about it. This lighting rig is really simple. There's just three buttons, big buttons. All you do is smack down on it, and the lights all, are all programmed. The one one button Blue, really beautiful. Smoke, one spotlight in the center of the stage. Really cool. Two, the green button. Kind of grooves, lights pulsing, moving a little bit, you know, just kind of a nice groove. 
three, the red button. Lasers, bombs exploding, everything. So can you run the lights? And the answer is everyone listening to this broadcast could run the lights because when the song's rocking, what button would we hit? The red three. one. Right. Yeah. If it was a beautiful ballad, the blue one. Yeah. So here's the deal. So now, and this is a common thing with today, so now the lights are the show? No. If, you, if the song's rocking, you need movement on stage. You need to understand pressure. You need to understand the placement on stage. You need to understand in a blue song, maybe we pull out a stool. Maybe yeah. we sit on the edge of the stage. We ha- but, but I'll tell you this, you watch every band, every artist, I won't say every, but 98%. And they do the same thing over and over and over and over again from the same places on yep. stage. I tell young metal groups this, and they're, they're like, dude, no, we don't need you. We rock. We run around the stage all night long. I'm thinking, well, that's a mistake. <laughs> it is. You're, it's a <laughs> one torture. The pressure never changes on your audience. And after three songs, they all start sounding the same because they all look the same. Because 55% yeah. of communication is what we see with our eyes. So if we see the same thing over and over, and if you're an indie who, who is not married to your audience, Taylor's married to her audience. She comes out and starts singing. Sean Mendes is married to his audience. She comes out singing, and everyone in the whole arena starts singing. You come out and sing. Uh, I mean, start singing, and they just look up at you and wonder if they even like you. You're dating them most of the time. Mm-hmm. So the relationship between marriage and dating is massive. Uh, so, 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 you know, the, 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 let me just interject for a second, yeah. Tom. Like, this is real psychology, people, real psychology. There are studies and books and movies and TV shows that have been made about micro-expressions on a face yeah. and how we re- interpret what the tone is and whether somebody's full of beans, whether somebody's saying something mean about us or whether they actually are coming from a place of gratitude or humility or love. Like, we make... Most, we get most of that information by the way that they look and not the way that they uh, necessarily sound. And if you've ever sent like a, a benign tweet or a benign text message to your significant other and they, they, they're all pissed off at you and you're like, no, that wasn't what I meant. Because I, I the tone is lost. Well, not only do they not get the audio tone, they don't get the visual thing. So this is, this is what makes this real. And, and I just, before I forget, Tom did one other session at the DIY conference, which was just with the singer-songwriter. One person, one acoustic guitar, same principles applied. And you think, wow, this is so minimalistic. This is so stripped down. How can you screw this up? Oh, my God. It was... Uh, you want to talk about people, it's the difference between people talking over you and leaning back in a coffee shop when you're playing your song or at a writer's night and then leaning forward to catch every word you're going to say because you've mastered the art of getting their attention. And, and it's this paraverbal language, the body language, the movement, the positioning that makes all that happen. So I didn't mean to interrupt, but I, I just want to make sure I interject. No, that. but one thing here also that is huge that we haven't really touched on with Jacob, with the writers, with all that, is it's not just visual. A lot of people think that's what I do. Now, that's the hard part here. I do visual. That's part of it. Yes. But before we do the visual, we have to write the script. Now, what I mean by the script, and this is not acting, folks, your songs live should be different than your songs on radio, than on your CD. The arrangements, I use the example 
of um, if you're doing one song uh, for a showcase or a, you know whatever one song and boy this is important one song it's a commercial it's it's a trailer of a movie in a trailer of a movie you go bam 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 this is going on you give them a, a, in a sense a little bit of a showcase a, a quick showcase of what what your show is going to be about or what you're about the writing for that is different than the writing for let's say your 20 minute opening act your 20-minute opening act is like a sitcom. Your sitcom is, if you look at the comedy and the delivery and the timing, um, the writing is different than for a commercial. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Uh, but then, if you're going to make a living doing this, now you're making a movie. And your writing for it is different. You have more time to develop two things, themes and characters. Themes meaning the things inside you. We you've mentioned moments a few times, guys. People remember moments. People want to experience moments. How do you pull these moments out? Here's what I did practically. I listened to this music. In fact, overwhelmed today. You know, I got a, I got four artists that sent me their material today in Dropbox. Not one last week. One the beginning of the week. One next week. All four yesterday. Mm -hmm. uh, so I've got about 40 songs to listen to. And the reason I take it so seriously, I do a lot of pre-prep because I'm listening for moments that are inside those songs that we will bring out live. For example, a, a real simple, a couple of simple things. Let's say you got a great chorus in your uh, hit song or the song you're trying to push to radio or anyway, just a great chorus. Well, what I'll do is take the chorus, put it at the front of the song take it out of time and make it a vocal moment. That's what you do with Trent Harmon at DIY. Yeah. I re absolutely remember that. It was and, awesome. and, and, and people, uh, and this is the truth, and I'm patting myself on the back, but I'm, not, but I'm just saying what I tried to do. Everyone knew the chorus was there, but they didn't, it didn't stick out. And everyone knew he had a good voice, but it, it wasn't anything special until we stripped it down and, and, and people were going, I mean, immediately it was chill time. It was featured it. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Okay, so so inside everybody's songs, there are vocal moments, musical moments, rhythmic moments, all kinds message moments. There's all kinds of things that need to be developed. You don't just play the song the way you record it. For radio, a short intro, you're like, right, a short turnaround, that's exactly what you're supposed to do because that's a different format. That's a different thing. Live, that's a mistake. I call it, you call it slave to the song. But really what happens is the song is in control, not you. Yeah. So what you have to do is make sure that you arrange the song so that you develop those moments and, this is huge, the character that has to come out, your personality. So we put stuff in there where you're playing off somebody and, and you can see they're either flirting or pushing each other around, having fun or getting serious. But you have to arrange the song so that th your personality can come out. Otherwise, you, you're just following the song. And that's what almost everybody does. And you, and you might have to, I mean, you got something that's rocking at the intro, but because it's so short, by the time you, what you really need to do is get up to the front of the stage and start connecting with people using a thing called I call zone communication. But by the time you get up to the front of the stage at the begin, if you've played the way you do it on radio, 
you got to get back to the microphone the same. So I solved that problem. Yeah, that's what happened. I remember that moment with Trent. Um, so they get through the, that, they create that vocal moment with the chorus at the very beginning. Then the band kicks in and they go into the opening lick and then they go into the first verse and then they do the first chorus. And then in the turnaround between the first chorus and the next verse, you're telling Trent, okay, now go up and go up and put some pressure on the audience. Go up right to the front of the stage there and, and, and rock with your audience. And then it was funny because I saw it happen. It's like a four bar turnaround. All of a sudden Trent's like tripping over himself, trying to do what you want him to do to try to follow your lead, but then run back to the microphone so he can make it in time for the second verse as if that second verse was going to go on without him. (laughs) The song was in control. Yeah. And so so you're like, no, 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 man, stay up there. Stay up there. Take your time. Particularly bars, 12 bars, whatever. Then you you come back when you're darn good and ready to come back. And people are going to be like, whoa. That's what Bono does. Springsteen does. They're in no hurry. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, it's well crafted. And so uh, t- uh, you made me think of something that I want to point out here because um, this is a moment I had with Jacob Cade, actually, right before he went on the first, it was first few dates of the, of the, of the tour that he went on. Um, so from what you said about, you know, that you're going to, are you writing a commercial? Are you writing, you know, what kind of story are we going to write? Cause it depends on, what the moment is. Is it a showcase with one song? You're going to do it differently if you're a support act with 35 minute set versus a headlining act with a 90 minute set or a two hour set. Right. And so, and then you're going to do it differently if you're a brand new artist, right. Versus if, if you're, if, if you're not, if you've got an audience already. So one of the brilliant things that you did, which I have to, I'm going to be completely transparent with you, Tom, I questioned you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But I, she, uh, Claudia, Jacob's mom, was telling me that um, you had put this little section of cover songs in there. So Jacob is a guitar god. And yes. so you picked very, inte- very intelligently, you picked a couple like rock guitar classic songs where he did a little sort of um, collage, if you will, of, uh, of a bunch of different songs with, with that allowed him to do his thing on the guitar. But I saw that when she first did that, when she first told me that, I was like, why are we doing cover songs? What are we doing? We've got, you know, I'm going from the business and we need to promote the record. Come on. She's like, oh, it's totally working. It's awesome. And I'm like, all right, Tom, Tom knows what the hell he's doing. I'm going to shut up because I don't know what I'm doing. And when I flew out to Denver and I saw it, in, in front of a packed house that was, uh, winger was sold out. It was, it was fun, like everybody, that's when they connected with him. Like they liked him from the beginning and, and he had a hundred of his own people there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and it was probably maybe 600 capacity maybe. So he had like 18% of the crowd was his, but the people pushed right up front. were loving him from the beginning because he's such a performer and he's, and he's so very good at the guitar. But man, when he hit that, cause he's, he's still, trying to break through in the market in his own freaking hometown of Denver. And when he did that, that cover montage, that they went ballistic. That's when he got everybody in. Everybody who was back there crossing their arms, I don't know. I kind of like him. I see him. He's making me feel something. But as soon as they connected with like Rocky Mountain Way, which how appropriate is that for freaking yeah. Denver? I mean, dude, huh. they went bananas. And I was like, Tom Jackson is a genius and I'm an idiot forever questioning you. <laughs> will, you tell my, will you tell my wife that? I will. 
<laughs> but no, that was that was great, Tom. And, and so, so um, let, let me say this: like, this, this yeah, is this is for for me. I, I'm I, my whole thing was trying to help artists do what they love to do, um, and in this day and age where the show is so important uh, financially. Um, I mean, this is the deal. Is would you like to go from? This even works with house concerts. We had one. Now you're talking about my associate Amy. Amy worked with a girl who was selling between five and seven CDs at house concerts, and now we have we have all the documentation, all the stuff they send us. Like, oh my gosh, um, and now they're selling between forty-five and fifty-five. Wow! Almost every person is buying at, at the the uh, at their house concerts. Um, so this stuff works if you create moments and the intention here is not so that I could have a career and, and all that. I'm past that. I've done it. I could stop working today and I'd be fine. But it's that artist out there that wants to do this, even weekend warriors, folks, it, wouldn't it be more fun to know where you're going, you know, and, and have fun on stage and connect emotionally with us. And you know, when you connect emotionally with an audience, it's, it's magic. It's why we do it. That's why my book is called, well, Tom Jackson's Live Music Method, but it's all roads lead to the stage. To me, for an artist, it doesn't lead to the studio. The studio is a passing thing, unless you're a studio musician. It doesn't re, uh, lead to the songwriting session. It doesn't lead to the internet. It leads to eventually walking out on that stage and connecting emotionally with people who either, as a writer, you know, you you get to talk to them about things that make sense to you philosophically or um, as a player, they appreciate what you're doing as a person. They're attracted to you um, from the, because of the stage. But if you just go up there and wing it, you're, you're an amateur. There's no other way to put it. You're an amateur. And are there some amateurs that can pull it off? Yes. I'll tell you, one of the, the people talk about great shows if you, it's easier for somebody, I'm not going to pretend, who is, who's got a big personality to work mm -hmm. an audience. Mm -hmm. But the personality alone is not enough. The, I, I mean, in some cases it is. Springsteen. I mean, but that's a rarity. But you, you want more than just the personality. I'm going to drop into – I'll wrap this up. But I'll drop into a football analogy real quickly. Because you have this gift of – personality and gab and and you're a good player you for for many many years each level you go to you have done well Vince Young used to do that he was the quarterback for the Titans he mm -hmm. was the best he was the best athlete in in elementary school and high school in college and yes. in some ways and he didn't have to learn the finer things the craft of it he didn't yeah, have to learn the craft raw talent, just exactly raw right that's exactly right. But when he hit the pros, he got away with it for a year because he was a rookie and everyone, he won rookie of the year. But where is he now? He's trying to get back into football. Now we have somebody like Peyton Manning, who's not nearly as talented, but he's done the work, or Drew Brees, somebody who's, who's just honed in on the craft, understands the psychology, understands this, has worked their brains out technique-wise, and and they're they're in the Hall of Fame. Oh, there you they go. Will. 
They will be. And so it's not just the personality. It's if you have person, Taylor's a perfect example. She had the personality. She needed the technique. Yep. And the rest is history. And I wish I had a point on all that. <laughs> well, yeah, I'll make a point for you. Here's the point. Like, like if you want to be an artist that everybody loves and you've got We'll take two roads. You Maybe you're an artist with like a really big personality and a lot of talent, or maybe you're an artist that's more of an introvert and you've got a mediocre amount of talent. Um, you know, I was an artist that had a really big personality and a mediocre amount of talent, but a lot of drive, right? Like it, 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 it no matter what it is that you imagine the artist with a big personality who's out there doing 250 dates a year after they mastered the technique, what could they become? Unstoppable. Yeah. Unstoppable. Right. And then imagine the artists, for those of you singer songwriters who are, are, uh, you know, you feel a little introverted and maybe it's a little hard for you to get on stage. Well, this is something for you to grab onto and say, I know how to own this and go out there and really move an audience because you're getting a couple handles on the tool so you can figure out how to use it. Right. It's the difference between trying to pound a hammer, trying, trying to pound a nail in with a hammer, holding it right underneath the metal part or using the end of the, <laughs> the end of the handle. So you get all that leverage and it just works better, right? It's, it's knowing how to use the tool. And then the final thing I want to say for those songwriters out there who have no, maybe no intention of really being a performer, but you go out and you do the writer's nights. It could be here in Nashville. It could be in your local town where maybe some artist is going to be there in the audience that might want to cut a song of yours. That's a local artist. And you you, you figure out how to master grabbing that attention and performing that song. It's going to feature your song and you're just going to, bottom line is whether you're a songwriter or a performing artist, you're going to do more business. This is a big, big missing piece of your puzzle and, um, and, and you need to have it. Even though you don't need to have it, it, it will change. You will leave going, holy crap, I just got schooled. I got schooled. I toured for seven years. I, I you know, I made a living doing this. for. I wish I had you, Tom, back then, because I, there's no telling what we could have done with that. But um, so I want to direct people to a couple. How do, how do they get a hold of you, Tom? First of all, we've got a, we've got a Tom Jackson's Live Music Method, All Roads Lead to the Stage book. And uh, you've got a seven uh, DVD set with 17 classes on there called All Roads Lead to the Stage. Where you, where you explain this stuff. And of course, they can reach out to, to, to uh, hire you directly or hire uh, Amy Walter and, and uh, improve that live show and make that happen. And, and you've heard these numbers that, that change in the merch department when you start putting the moments together, people. You're going to draw a bigger crowd. Your people are going to come back because you're going to make it an event. All this stuff works. Tom, where can they reach you? Uh, well, email would be info at tomjacksonproductions.com. Uh, phone number would be the office is 615-591-0910. And the website is onstagesuccess.com. Just a heads up, onstagesuccess.com. Heads up. I'm in the final, it might be today we even figured out, but I'm, I'm looking at doing a workshop in Nashville on April 28th and 29th at SIR, student, Studio Instrument Rentals. It's a place where everyone rehearses. Um, yeah. And we do a workshop there, uh, Friday night, Saturday type thing. Um, and the idea is here just to make you better. Just to make you better. Let me finish with one last example, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, you're opening. Right now, Johnny, say you call up and say, listen, I got an opening slot for whoever's listening, their genre. You got, you got 12, you got 15 minutes. I can promise you right now, the first thing everyone in this podcast is listening to says, how many songs can I cram into 15 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> and Tom's like, what if we just did two? <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. What if we just, what if we created moments uh, instead of just played songs? But everyone thinks moments, moments, moments. That's the downside, sorry, Brent, here, about it all begins with a song or it's all about the song. No, it isn't. The song is huge. It's like a script in a movie, but it has to be with delivery. All the above have to be working. So don't go cramming, you know, all these songs in thinking that's what's going to do it. It, it. it doesn't do it. It's creating those moments, and that goes back to the arrangement of the songs for the, for, for the appropriate situation. So I love that. That's great. All right. Well, uh, Tom, thank you so much for, for taking time out of your busy day to, to hang out on our podcast and share some of this knowledge with, with our community. Um, I, 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 I just can't speak enough about what you do. Like, like I've, I've said this on the podcast before I'll do, I've been in the studio so many times producing, whether it's an artist or producing song demos, it never gets old for me watching a work tape trans magically transform with those musicians into a real song. It still gives me goosebumps watching you work gives me goosebumps and it's just super freaking cool and I'm jealous I'm jealous I didn't have you when I was an artist because we would have been unstoppable but um, <laughs> with that guys uh, it's uh, onstagesuccess.com Tom Jackson uh, you know get the DVD set reach out to him and ha- you know figure out a way to work at, work with them online and, and improve your craft on stage if you haven't joined the client community please do so just uh, join it on Facebook uh, we, you have to be let in, but we let everybody in until you show yourself the door. We'll roadhouse you. Um, share it. If you like it, subscribe. Subscribe to this podcast so that it, it magically appears on your phone every Tuesday. And with that, this podcast exists, guys, because we want you to win. So keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. 
That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.